Okay, so today is week week seven. So there's only more, one more week after this of our eight-week series. The first time we've ever done an eight-week series, and I totally thought by this point I would be completely sick of the series, and I'm actually not. So that in itself is a miracle. What I am going to do now, though, is today we are talking about the altar for incense. So we have these amazing chubba chub candles. There are also other candles available, just in case of sponsorship reasons. Not that anyone ever listens to our podcast from <coughs> any legal department. But yeah, we have some chubba chub candles, and we have four. And the reason we have four, and they're all four different, uh, about to say flavours, you don't eat them, <laughs> like the lollies, smells, is because the altar for incense, kind of pretty much the incense that was used was exclusive only to the altar and for its function um, in worshipping God and there were four different ingredients so jeez totally have to take pictures of them for later but yeah so today's City Hill is going to be smelling pain y'all so um, it all starts this week um, I was working with a learner who was excluded from the others and he was like sir man I really need to go toilet innit you need to let me go toilet so I was like cool bruv you know go toilet and then he comes back like 10 seconds later and he's like nah bruv you need to take me to a different toilet I was like what do you mean he goes I can't go to toilet in there I'm like why is that he goes someone done a dump bruv it stinks in there bruv man can hardly breathe you know (laughs) so I had to walk him to a different area because like literally when I walked past the door it was wow um, shots had been fired. It was, it was, cheese. It was, it was like Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction. It was chemical warfare. It was terrible. So he had to go to this other toilet and then all was correct in the universe and he was fine. So in Exodus 30, what we have is verse one, you shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of Achaia wood, Achaia wood, um, a cubit shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, it shall be square, it shall be two cubits shall be its height, its horns shall be of one piece with it, you shall overlay it with pure gold, it, its top and round its sides and its horns, you shall make it a moulding of gold around it and you shall make two golden rings for it, under its moulding and the two opposite sides you shall make them, and they shall be holders for the poles for it to be carried. You shall make the poles of Achaia wood and overlay them with gold. Achaia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put them in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat which is above the testimony where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall put fragrant burnt incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamp, he shall burn it. And when Aaron, Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations you shall not offer unauthorized incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering and you shall not pour a drink offering on it so it was really quite precise what had to go down here and how they were to do this now a couple of things we need to know so the tribe uh, well the nation of Israel 12 tribes all surround around the tabernacle the tabernacle is God's dwelling place among his people um, they saw him as their king. So when it comes to his tent, his place of living, 
you come in first, there's this kind of area, the holy area, which has got the three items of um, the altar for incense, it's got the table for bread, and it's got the lampstand, and then there's this veil, this curtain, the other side of the curtain, you've got the Ark of the Covenant, it's got the mercy seat on top of it, so that's kind of seen as God's throne, so that's the throne of God, is the Ark of the Covenant, it's God's presence with his people, that's what it symbolizes for them. Then in this section, you have these different items. We've been through each of the items in there now. So this is the final item within the holy area. Um, now, God is seen as their king. I talked about the learner who went past and went to go in the toilet and it reeked. And he came out and he had to go somewhere else. Now, for this people and the way their societies function was a king would have incense burned for them frequently, pretty much all day, every day, beginning of the day, straight through. And the idea behind this was that the king wouldn't have to suffer the smells that the common folk around would have to smell. So for example, you think living as a tribe with all the nation, all your different tribes around this central area, you've got no modern facilities such as toilets flushing away anything. You've got um, animals you've got farming, you've got the smells of the day going on around and it kind of like this, this stench. So the idea with the peoples is that the king would have a very different smell, a very different aroma in his area, like a, a sign of respect. So this people, by lighting this every single day, are saying that they totally believe that their king is present. They're saying they totally believe that their king is with them. They're saying they totally believe that he's got this and he, he is there. Now, the, the thing is, it also talks about at the end, um, this particular type of incense, that how it can only be used for this. So like in other passages in the law, you couldn't use this for anything else. If you used or tried to replicate this incense, so like if you did like um, an eau de toilette, like you tried to rip it off, you tried to do whatever, and you tried to get that fragrance, like you would be cast out of the people, like you'd be done. You would no longer be a part of Israel. That's it, you're gone. So like no one else had this smell, no one else had this fragrance, no one else had it used for any other purpose than for this exclusive purpose. Now, when it comes to a number of things, I think there is huge scope within the Christian faith of being um, accessible, of being um, loving, of being accepting, of being tolerant. But at the same time, just as there is one incense that can be used here, um, there is kind of one way and like it's okay to like we have complete respect and love for interfaiths but it's like seeing that this is the way this is who it is this is what it is and just as there is one incense this is the the, the christian tradition doesn't blur it where it says like yeah you get to go other ways it, it, it doesn't it just it, it is consistently throughout from the beginning from the oldest traditions straight the way through to the end there is this one way so it's not a disrespect thing. It's just like, a, well, this is what we believe to be a truth. And it's the same with this. This is an exclusive incense. No one else has this. There's no replicas. There's no knockoffs. This is it. Michael Jackson tour. So they would do this in the morning. They would do this in the evening. Now, this is a huge thing. And this has been a massive challenge for me because as I read this and looked into this, so the incense for them kind of represented intercession. So it represented intercession. So every other aspect within um, the, the artifacts that we've looked at and within the tabernacle and all of the artifacts there this one is more on, on their end, there's an element where it's also 
definitely a, a picture of Jesus, but ultimately they saw this as like a, a whole intercession thing going on. So it would go straight from the morning, it would go through to the evening. Now Paul in Thessalonians, he says, never cease to pray, never cease in praying. Like you don't ditch it, you don't stop, you do it all the time. It's the same idea with this incense. This incense never stops. Now it says here that Aaron does it. Now Aaron does light it, but through the generations, what it ended up being was that a different priest would be picked by lot to light the incense and it would be a once in a lifetime experience. There's a crazy story in the New Testament in Luke's gospel where um, Zachariah, John the Baptist's dad, literally is about, he's just about that life. He is burning the incense. The first time in his life, at a late age in his life, he is doing that one-off moment, bang, Gabriel rocks up in the house. The people outside are praying. So what is happening in the temple, what's happening outside the temple are connected. They're the same thing. The incense, the intercession, the prayers, same thing, same imagery. And then Gabriel rocks up and then we have the introduction of this um, of um, Zachariah being told about John the Baptist, about his son, about his kid coming and stuff like that. And so there is this once in a lifetime moment, but it would be lit first thing in the morning. It would be lit and carried on. Well, no, not lit first thing in the morning. The first time it would be lit, but it would be sustained in the morning. So in the morning you come in, you put a fresh batch of incense on there, um, you heat it up, you fan it, you kindle it, and in the nighttime you do the same. Now this is a really, really important thing. So before, if you didn't listen before, we did a series called Sabbath, um, where we talked about what that means for us, and there's a rhythm that every six days you have a day where you just rest. And it's not just resting, chilling out, doing nothing, but it's drawing your week to a close, having closure for your own mental health and sanity, celebrating what's happened, looking ahead to what God's gonna do the next week, celebrating that, and having this time of ceasing from being creative. So it's not being creative, putting your things to work. God ceased in creativity, he calls us to cease in creativity, that we can detox, that we can actually maximize creativity later. We have to have a time when we close it down. There's a rhythm to life, and it fits in every six days, bang, Sabbath, every six days, Sabbath. Here, there's a rhythm going on every morning, every evening, every morning, every evening, every morning, every evening. And what this is, is it's a rhythm of two thin things. It's a rhythm for the book that um, I kind of wrote about recently, where it talks about Shema, the conversation you have, how am I gonna love God first thing in the morning? Um, you bring it to a close at night. These two things, it's a rhythm of love, and it's a rhythm of prayer and conversation and engagement. Um, the incense was burnt continually without ceasing, Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. But the problem we have is, I think one of the biggest dangers that is often talked about is like, we don't put any disciplines in place. So like, if you grew up in a Pentecostal charismatic movement, then it's kind of like, you don't have like a set prayer time. It's kind of like, oh, you know, I just, I just pray when, when, the, when the spirit leads. Well, that's not what happened here. <laughs> it was first thing in the morning, last thing at night. It was building a habit, it was building a situation. Now, this talks about a flame. So the incense, the prayers, are associated with a flame. They're associated with a heat. Now, am I talking about that means doing yabba like flipping yeehaw, Pentecostal, full-on schizo praying? Is that what we're gonna associate with heat? Or we're gonna say we keep the Kindle going, we keep it going in our lives, we keep it burning, we keep it fanned, we keep it going. Now, I think one of the most important things for a Christian life, and this is, I found this really difficult when I looked at the altar of incense. I felt God challenging me personally because um, I pray on my way to work pretty much every single day. 
But the evening, I'm not so good at. I'm, I'm pretty good at leaving that kind of vacant and leaving that room. But for them, it was like, there was a discipline. Like, you talk about prayer, it's like really easy. It's a conversation. It doesn't actually take that much effort. And sometimes we're like, oh man, I can't bother to do that right now. These guys would get up with full awareness of how sacred this moment is. And the cool thing is for the priest, I guess, is they'd be in the holy place, they'd be putting the incense on, they'd be fanning it, and this cloud of smoke would bellow up, and they would see it literally head towards the curtain, which they could never go behind, and this wall of smoke would go through the curtain, and they would know it would go straight to the mercy seat. And so they had this vivid picture that whoever had that once in a lifetime moment of going and lighting this, or, or putting on the incense and rekindling the fame and keeping it going, would have this huge, huge honor of literally seeing the incense, the smoke, head towards the, the mercy seat. When it was in the temple, like it would just go that one direction and that would be it. But if you're thinking about as a tribe, there would be days when the wind would blow in a strange direction and you'd be moving out and about doing your everyday hustle and bustle of life and all of a sudden you would get a whiff of the wind taking the scent, taking the smoke in a direction and you would have this moment where you would be reminded of two things. Firstly, the king is here. He is present. He is with us. The next thing you would be reminded of is he hears our prayers. And that is a huge, huge thing because you have to remember their narrative and their story and why this reminder, they made it such a huge priority was they were slaves in Egypt. They suffered horrendously. They cried out to God in their suffering. They felt they hadn't been heard. They felt there was no escape. They felt there was no end, never ending this curse of making brick after brick, being beaten and downtrodden and abused. They felt like there was no hope at the end of it. God speaks to Moses. They don't even know God's heard. They don't even know God's spoken to Moses. Moses rocks up. They don't even know he's legit. They don't even know that God sent him. He's just saying he has. And they, and they are reminded, now that they are a free people, that every day as they do this tradition, as the incense is burned, they're reminded of the fact we thought he never heard us, but he totally heard us. He's totally for us. He's totally with us. He totally has a plan and he's totally got this. But it all comes down to this incense being burned. And I think one of the biggest problems that we have, and I think one of the easiest way for your flame to go out, for your life to get to a place where it totally sucks and it feels like there's no hope at the end of it, is when you lose the rhythm to your prayer life. It's like, yeah, cool, man. I can pray anytime. I can do that any, any way I want. I can do it whenever I feel the need or this, that, and the other. I'm totally down with that. But I think sometimes if you want to have a consistent spiritual life where you are on top of things, and when things hit the fan, when the poo hits the fan and the smell is real and it is engulfing your life, when you have that rhythm in place, you know that you're with him. You have that, that, that experience that when the tough comes come, you're ready. But otherwise, when you don't have that rhythm, sometimes these things happen and it can really knock you for six and you can feel isolated and alone like they did. But they didn't want that to happen again. And so they did this as a reminder of the God who heard them. Um, which brings me to the point of just saying, check out the first ever talk we had at City Hill. You can check it out on the website. It's called He Hears, um, which is totally about that part of the story. And it's just so, so, so um, important. So the priest would get this once in a lifetime opportunity to enter in, to light this one day of his life, to see that smoke go through as a visual reminder that he knows that his God has heard him. Now, once a year, there was another 
thing that this was used for. So there was the Day of Atonement. So once a year, there was this sacrifice that would take place. And what would happen is, on the altar for incense, they would dip the blood of the sacrifice onto the four horns of the altar for incense. So if the altar for incense is all about um, intercession, if it's all about prayer, then on the Day of Atonement, when this blood is dipped on the four corners, it's a reminder of one really key and important fact that actually the only way your prayer goes anywhere, the only way your prayer is heard is actually through the sacrifice. And so for us, when we look at that holistically, looking at the gospel and who Jesus revealed himself to be, who we've seen him to be as the Passover lamb, as, as um, the means of salvation, as the, our redeemer and our restorer, then what we see is actually without the blood of Jesus, there is no prayer being heard. And it, you're, you're speaking to the ceiling. Without Jesus, without his sacrifice, and that's why um, in Hebrews it talks about him ever living as intercession, interceding for us, that he forever lives interceding on our behalf. And it talks about this great high priest. So it talks about being the sacrifice, it talks about him being the great high priest, it talks about him being the intercession. And so the picture is with the altar for incense, all these things are being formed and crafted and made with the past in mind, but actually there's, there's the prophetic future of God speaking into who he is, who he's revealing himself to being, that way into the future, when we look back at each one of these items, we see the same thing, we see Jesus. We see that the blood being dipped on the four corners, the four horns of this most sacred artifact we see that the only way anything is heard is through that sacrifice. And so on the Day of Atonement, they would dip that on the four corners. In Malachi 1 verse 11, it says, From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations says the Lord of hosts so when Malachi says this he takes a picture of this item that is unique and there is only one and then Malachi is getting this revelation wow this is so much bigger than our tribe this is so much bigger than our people that literally incense is going to rise up from every single different nation uh, you right? so Malachi has this picture it's coming from everywhere that this is going to happen. And then in Revelation 8, verse 3 to 4, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. John has this, this moment on Patmos, this island, where he has revelation and he sees everything in this book and a lot of it that we read is like dang man that is some trip I have no idea what you're talking about some parts are so clear but when you look at the tradition and the history and you look from when this was first built the 
and the, the function that it served. And when you look at the, the tradition and when you get to Malachi and you get to his vision and he sees this incense, this smoke coming up from all the different cities all around the world. And then what you have with John is you have John having this sneak peek, this moment when all things are coming together, when it's the, what, what we see is kind of like, what we would call like the end of, 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 of space and time, where we would see this moment when, when according to prophecy, according to what Revelation talks about, the summing up, the restoration, the reconciliation and the redemption of all things in Jesus and to Jesus, we see here that he sees a picture and he sees the incense offering up with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar that we're talking about here before the throne, the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. So what does that tell us? That actually tells us probably the most beautiful thing that we could hear this morning. It tells us that John sees a picture right at the end and the picture he sees is not of a people who have suffered and have not been heard. He sees a picture of a people that have suffered, that have cried out in prayer. And he says that right at the end, as there's silence in heaven, every single prayer, every single moment of incense, every candle that's been lit, rises up straight to God. And when we talk about this passage in Revelation and what we see happen towards the end of the book, is it is the restoration, the reconciliation of all things that there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more death, that there'll be perfect balance and equilibrium restored to humanity and to the universe. And so what we find when we look at this one artifact, this ancient relic, we have a picture of something which is eternal, which transcends space and time, which transcends your life and my life. And it represents the whole of humanity and the struggle that we live in. The incense just rises up. And it comes before him. And it feels like you're not being heard. Sometimes it feels like it's empty. Sometimes it feels like it's hollow. But he hears. It's there. And each one of the priests had one moment in their life where they would get to see the smoke go through the curtain and they would know that it had reached its destination they would see that picture of the prayer being heard for many of us we don't get that visual aid we don't get that reassurance but I want to draw our attention as we finish today to that passage where John had that sneak peek into the end of all things the end of space and time as everything is restored he says man every prayer just rose straight to him I saw the incense burning I saw, the, I saw the smoke rise and he heard it. He heard it. And the next thing he does is he restores all things. Father, I pray for each person here, Lord. You know their story. You know their narrative. You know where they are in life. You know what they're going through. Sometimes it feels like we're not being heard. Sometimes it feels like just smoke evaporating into the air, dissipating before our eyes. I pray, Father, that we would encounter you this week, that we would know through the sacrifice of Jesus these prayers 
are not just disappearing, but they're being heard. And that he is going to bring about a restoration of all things. May we encounter healing this week. May we encounter transformation. And may we be empowered and emboldened by your grace and by your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.